Hello, hello, hello. Welcome along to Benchcast. I'm Neville O'Donoghue, and this is a podcast for bench warmers. Listen to me now, listen to me. Which phone is that? That's the second time it's gone off. We're going to do it. Tyson Fury. It's Torres to give Chelsea a place in the Champions League final. The headline has been written. You're a county? Absolutely not. That's a load of rubbish, Brechon, to be quite honest. Uh, He's a disgrace to have a football club. What a belt he's given it. I, 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 I love I love I love me county, you know. We love Jamalan! On today's show I have recently retired footballer John O'Loughlin. John played for the Leash footballers for the best part of fifteen years and also played for Ireland in the international rules against Australia. John and I went to the same school together and were in the same class for three or four years, so there's some good memories in this in this podcast between the two of us. This show is coming live from McGettigan's in Dubai where I'll be for the summer so make sure come and find me each weekend and give me your thoughts on any of the weekend's matches and I'll put you up on any of the pages. Sit back, relax and give this a listen. Enjoy. John O'Loughlin. John, how are you? I'm good Neville. How's all with you? Ah, sure, not too bad. Um, I see you retired there uh, last week or the week before and um, Congrats on a great career. I see I was looking up on Wikipedia there. You played over a hundred times or more in both league and championship for Leash. Uh, what an achievement. And I suppose I suppose the first question I ask you is that how like you're only 33, like how did you decide that enough was enough and you know it's time to pack it in now? I just followed my gut, my gut instinct, Neville. Um yeah, I'm 33 and <laughs> I suppose I've been playing with Leash underage since 2002, but since I first played with the Leash Minor Hurlers in 2005, um, you know, it's 18 seasons of continuous um, just commitment to playing with Leash. And for me, going back that far, it was the be all and end all. You know, it was much more important than academics or study or anything. And it just followed the whole way through my career. And, you know, I played a lot of hurling, a lot of football. And then I picked the football to play senior with Leash. And look, I just had 15 seasons done. Um, I'm definitely not getting any quicker. I, I really noticed, I noticed last summer uh, when I was 32, uh, and I don't want to sound like I'm an owl at here, but I definitely found that uh, I was just finding the going tough playing the league matches with the club and then into the championship matches with the club when the ground was getting hard. And, um, you know, going back with Leash last December, I said, I didn't really know. I said, I'll be pleased God play another year, maybe two, maybe three. But, you know, over the last six or eight weeks, I just, my gut was telling me, you know, it's it's time to, you know, call it a day with the county and um, um, no regrets whatsoever. And to be honest with you, I'm a bit relieved since... I announced that on Monday. Um, just I feel like there's a little bit of weight off my shoulders and played a club match last night. And uh, I just felt a lot of freedom playing. There was no external factors affecting my thinking going into the match or after the match or during the match. And uh, yeah, I'm absolutely happy with the decision. 
And um, all right, tell us about your career then, John, because obviously we were classmates for anyone listening. And uh, I know that like you were very good at hurling and obviously you picked football in the end. But tell us, where did you, like I know you're into every sport really, but where did you start off with? Was it with your club, uh, Ross Nails? Is that right? In Leash? And how did you develop the football? Yeah, so Rose and Alice, the first time I played hurling or football was... Um, early 90s or the mid 90s with, with Rose Nallis I remember being up training with my father and um, I remember scoring two goals and two points and I was able to calculate the car going home with my father that's eight points I was after getting and yeah I, when I was you know a young fella six, seven, eight the Leash Miners were winning all Ireland they won in 96, 97 and they were beaten by a brilliant Tyrone team in 98 and you know, I was into sport and at the time, you know, I'm looking at the Leash Miners and to me, they could have been seniors, they could have been all-stars, didn't really matter what they are, what they were Leash and I was from Leash, so I just wanted to be like those boys and just got a passion for it from there and into all sports, but I suppose then when I went to Ross Gray, I, um, you know, I remember doing the entrance exam to Ross Gray and we were staying overnight, it was October 2000. And, um, you know, there was this big sports hall there and we were just taught to play sports and there was hurling alleys. Uh, there was loads of pitches. And I just thought, God, I'm coming here. This is the only place I want to go to school, you know, because of the sport and all the facilities. And then got to Ross Gray and I, I just was obsessed with... I remember going to Ross Gray first and, like, I wasn't nearly as good as hurling as other lads in the year. Um, you know, I was thinking, God, I'm coming from... You know, where I was playing, I played with Rose and Alice, and at that stage, I actually transferred into Mount Mellick, where I was going to school at the time, and I was probably the best of the hurlers there. And I went to Ross Gray, I wasn't nearly the best, and I got obsessed, like absolutely obsessed, with just playing hurling, getting good at hurling, and trying to get good at hurling. And it, <laughs> it was an obsession for years. And then the principal in Ross Gray, he was a hurling fanatic, and then just I went through the years in Ross Gray, wanting to impress him just doing whatever I could to impress him. And then, you know, I started to, to develop as a hurler and um, I was playing on the senior team in third year and it was all I wanted to do. And all the time I was playing with least development squads, hurling and football. And by the time I got to, you know, minor leash were probably a more successful football county. I gravitated to the football, but I remember playing three years minor hurling and I just thought, I just want to play for Leash. And then two years minor football, and we won the Leinster minor in my second year, 2007. And I was also lucky enough to be on the under-21 football team that year as well. And we got to the All-Ireland final against Cork. And we were beaten by a point. And I was just had a magical year in 2007 with the football. And I had a good year with the hurling as well. I was playing, I was incredibly lucky to be playing under-21 hurling football, minor hurling and football from the age of my final year as a minor. So, um, yeah, once I graduated from minor, I was called into the Lee Senior panel and just went from there, yeah, back in 2008. And it's just, it's it's been my obsession since. And I'm not going to say a healthy obsession because it's been hard work down through the years. So uh, it's over now. You well, know? you know, like you don't get nothing for nothing. Like I suppose you have to put the hard work in. I just want to quickly go back to just quickly because I don't want to bore our listeners. Just about Cistercian College, Ross Gray, and on the border of Tippinoffley. Like, 
I, I just want to quickly, like, Hugh MacDonald was a mad hurling man. Now, in fairness, like, the school was great. You had the rugby and you had the hurling. You had a lot of sports in the school, but he was definitely a big influence on you. Would you say he was one of the most important coaches? And uh, the second point I want to ask is that <laughs> I had Emmett Mullins on last week, a uh, guy from Carlo, and obviously he trained Noble Yates to win the Inter Grand National. Like, he lads from Midlands were a bit more privileged. You were allowed to uh, slip off at weekends. Like, was that definitely a big advantage to you? Yeah, well, just going back to the point and Hugh McDonald, without doubt, he'd be, you know, probably the biggest influence to my career. Um, you know, I, I just, he was the man I wanted to impress and everything he said was just like, you know, he was the, the Messiah. And, you know, just, he was very kind of old school but he had very good values, you know, and, you know, simplicity is genius, you know, yeah. and I always take that with me that you don't need to complicate a lot of things, you know, you just kind of call it as it is and you have to, you know, meet the standard then. Um, so Hugh was, you know, a legend, a legend. He passed away in 2017 and, you know, I remember talking to his family and, and the great memories they shared with me and, and I shared with them. But, you know, I think any hurler who went through Ross Gray just has the utmost respect for Hugh. Um, and then the geographical location is the Sarsen College Osprey. Yeah, well, we were just saying off air there that like lads from Cork and Kerry, and there was a lot of lads from Cork and Kerry, it wasn't feasible for them to go home every weekend, you know, because by the time you get home, you might get a couple of hours and you have to come back up. And I was 40 minutes from Osprey. And, you know, technically we were only supposed to go home every Sunday and then every three weeks from a Thursday to a Sunday or a Friday to a Monday. But, you know, look, you know yourself, it was loose enough. You know, if you had a match, you could always go home. And a lot of lads would have slipped home on the Saturday and came back on the Sunday evening, which I'd done a lot. So it definitely was an advantage. And you had Emmett on and because he's Carlo, which is kind of regional as well in terms of starting college. So he would be able to go home a bit. So, uh yeah, look, I think the location of, of our um, homes definitely helped us. Yeah, no, I just I just laughing back at Hugh McDonald because I remember like he was giving you a clip around the ear if you were doing something out of the way and like I don't think you get a back it now it is. No, uh, no, but uh, we were in Ross Bay in a great time because you know, obviously it didn't hit children at the but Hugh we could give you a backhand in the yeah. ear and all that and you know, it would just, you'd, you'd kind of straighten up your shoulders and get on with it, you know, but you couldn't do anything like that now, obviously, you know, but um, no, he, he was he was just a great person and, you know, every time he spoke, he just spoke passionately. Whether it was talking Irish in the classroom, you could feel his grow for Irish and his passion for Irish and his passion for hurling and his passion for Ireland and it fed off on, on all the, the majority of fellas who were in Ross no, he, like, the final point I'd say, because I know now the listeners won't know about it, but I had Sean Kelly, the former president of the GA, on a few weeks ago, and I remember you were there and I was there, and he came in and gave Hugh uh, uh, an award for all he gave to the GA. But it's like, it's guys like that, everyone knows them in your local club or local parish that do so much for the GA, like, you know, and, the, uh, like, the amount of people that they touch, like, you know, and like you, like, you know. But no, definitely a, a great... And, and- just on that point, I remember we were playing a schools match somewhere in Tipperary and I forget what school was called we were playing, but the manager of the school was a fella from Burgess and Burgess was Hubie's home club 
And, you know, after the match, I'll never forget it. The fella spoke for three, four, five minutes just about Hubie, how much of a legend he is and really emphasised it and all the things he's done. And it always kind of stayed with me. And, you know, the importance of what one person can do to a club or an area. And um, Hubie obviously was very kind of, you know, humble and, and nearly fobbed him off and said, listen, don't mind that fella, you know, but it just stayed with me and, and the, the effect he had on people who were outside of the school as well as inside the school. Oh, definitely. Um, I suppose then, John, like, I, like, I think you kind of touched on it there. You won a Leinster minor and under 21 with uh, Leash, if, I'm right, if Wikipedia is right. And uh, like, which was your, was that probably your greatest achievement? Which would you, and I see you won a, you won a county medal with uh, St. Bridget's as well, which was obviously a great achievement. But if you were to look back on it, like which is which is your fondest memory? It's very hard to pick now. Look, uh, I suppose 2007 is always going to be a special year for me because I won a Leinster minor and a Leinster under 21 that year. And, you know, I, I was... 18 I was you know at the time I thought I knew it all and you know I was I had the answers to everything which I absolutely didn't and I still don't have but um yeah that was a special time and I always look back at that under 21 All-Ireland final against Cork you know Cork beat us they got a goal in the last minute from Colin O'Neill and you know there was six seven eight of that team Michael Shields Paul Kerrigan Colin O'Neill Fintan Gould Daniel Goulding um for Lynch, who all went on and they won senior all Ireland with Cork in 2010. And they weren't in the backbone of the team because that Cork team had Graham Canty and Nicholas Murphy and a few phenomenal leaders. But you know, you'd always go, why didn't we kind of push on and do that? Or why didn't we become more competitive at senior level? Or why did we fall off so much after Mick O'Dwyer left? But that's that's life, that's sport. Um but 2007 was definitely a special year, but you know, I'll always remember my championship debut for Leash in 2008. And, um, you know, I, I have a very good memory for matches and dates. And, you know, I, I remember every single match, the good ones, the not so good ones, you know, and, and they all hold a special kind of place in my heart, in my memory and all that. So it's, it's really hard to say, but 2007 was definitely, definitely a special year, yeah. You know, that, that kind of leads me on to my next question, because, like, I wouldn't just get anyone on the podcast. And I think, like, the reason I got yourself on, well, besides I know you as well, that, like, you know, it's very interesting to hear from a player from, like, a weaker county, shall we say, like, you know. You say they are Cork, drove on and won All-Ireland. Why didn't Leash do that, like, you know. Like, when you look at I, Dennis Welsh, I had him on the podcast a few weeks ago, and he'd be married to a cousin of mine, and he coached the water for footballers. And he said, like, Michael Brick Welsh was a phenomenal footballer and he would have walked onto the Kerry team, but he picked Hurland because he's Waterford, like, you know. Like, you've been a, from a weaker county, shall we say, like, you know, just what I suppose what you do about that, like, you know, is it frustrating when you see that, that like, you know, other counties have a bigger pick and you're making the most of what you can do, you know? I look, when we're all young fellas, we all dream of playing in Crow Park and, and winning Sam Maguire and, and winning big matches and all that. But, you know, sport doesn't work like that, unfortunately. And there's the GA has been around for 125 years plus, and there's, there's plenty of counties who are perceived to be the weaker counties or who haven't had much success. But that's just the way it works. And you're never going to get success if you don't go for it. You yeah. know, 
we're always knocking at the door or hope that every year I went back, you're thinking, you know, I'm going to work as hard as I can. Um, I wouldn't want to be doing anything else this year. Or whatever happens, happens. Would I love to win? Absolutely. I can't control that. So if I'm playing or if my reasoning for playing with Leash or training for Leash is say I have to win an All-Ireland or I have to win an All-Star or I have to win a Leinster, you know, I'm not going to be happy, you know. But if I say I can't control what we win, but I can control how much effort I put in, I can control being absolutely disciplined on and off the pitch. I can control being as fit as I could possibly be. I can control the technical aspect of my game. Um, I, can, I can't control my teammates, but I can lead in a way that hopefully they will be influenced um, yeah. and want the same as me. So, yeah, look, Nev, it's, of course, we love all the, the, the glam and the, the medals and the silverware, but, you know, it just life and sport doesn't work like that. And you either accept that it doesn't work like that and you say, it's not for me, or you go, yeah, I'm just going to go and keep trying and keep trying and keep trying and say, you know, I gave it everything. What more can I do? No, you're absolutely right. Like, speaking of Dennis Welsh again, he said that, like, I think he's got two or three All-Irelands and he said that, like, if he met any of the Waterford hurdlers walking down the street, like he said, he'd respect them as much, if not more, because they were phenomenal players just because they don't have the medals to show it, like, you know. But, like, uh, just... What do you think, quick briefly, because uh, I know you watch all the punditry as well. Did you see Colm O'Rourke and... Um, Jeez, Sean Cavanaugh, uh, was it? Having that debate uh, at the weekend about, you know, Colm O'Rourke was saying you have to be playing consistently in all Ireland year in, year out. Um, I didn't see it live. Uh, I saw a few headlines. I read a few articles. I What I got from it, Colin Rourke was critical of Michael Murphy. Was that it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You said, yeah, that he's look, not a, yeah. you said he's not a top footballer because he's not performing year in, year out in all Ireland. But like, that's like the point you go back to. Is like, that's not his fault that he doesn't have like the team that Kerry have. Or, like if he was in the Kerry team, he would be competing year in, year out, you know? Yeah, well, look, that's that's Colin O'Rourke's opinion and it's generating conversation. We're talking about it now and, and that's what punditry is about. You know, whether you agree with it or don't agree with it or think it's absolutely off the charts, it's about people talking about it and people um, speaking names like Colin O'Rourke and Sean Kavanagh. So it's, it's a debate and everyone eats to their own, you know, whatever he thinks he thinks is right. Um, Sean Kavanagh maybe has a different perspective. My perspective would be that, you know, Michael Murphy is absolutely one of the greatest players of all time. And I think Donegal have won 10 Ulsters in the history of the competition and he's captained them to five of them. Yeah. You know, he's captained them to an All-Ireland at 22 years of age or maybe just gone 23. So, you know, like Michael Murphy is who I would have looked up through my whole career saying, you know, he is, he's the ultimate team player. And what makes him so good for me is, you know, his winning of kickouts when they needed, like I know Donegal probably working great the other day, but Murphy got two huge points from play in a match that was very, very tight. Now, it, ultimately it wasn't good enough to see them over the line. And, you know, think back to when they beat Kildare in 2011 and Kevin Cassidy got that unbelievable point. Like, Murphy had probably the most unbelievable pick up of the ball in the lead up to that. Like there was a ball grazed along the ground in a wet crow park 
and he flicked it up and he controlled it. I think it was his left hand and he he recycled the ball back out, got the Kevin Cassidy, they got the winner. So little things like that that probably go unnoticed. Um, that's what I would think of Michael Murphy. And, you know, it's whatever Colin Morag thinks of him, that man has won a lot more than I have. Yeah. So who am I to question what he's saying? And I wouldn't be critical of what he's saying. I can disagree with it, but I wouldn't say, or I wouldn't say a bad word about him. You know, it's 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 all about generating discussion and debate, and that's what he did. And I, I'd imagine that's what he's probably told to do. And you know, he's added a long time, and he's a lot of medals in his pocket. But you got some memory and some stats you pulled out there. But the other question I asked yeah, you, yeah, look it up, look it up. Look up, really and, uh, and look up that side bottom. Hmm? Yeah, I must look up that pickup. I, I don't remember that now, like you know. So, uh, uh, yeah, that, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, it was it was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you because you touched on it briefly is hurling, because I know well that you were a fine hurler in Ross Gray, and like, and I would say I, I I'm 100 sure that hurling would have been your preferred sport. But like obviously you went for the the football. Like was it was it just a case that I got a better chance of achieving something here in the football? Like I prefer the hurling, but I got to go with the football. Yeah, I, I was just hurling mad in Australia. You'll probably remember, you know, I used to live in the hurling alleys. Yeah. Um, and like there was no football in Australia, so it was hurling or rugby. And yeah, I, I like my goal in Australia was just a senior hurling team. The senior hurling team, the senior hurling team, and and that's all I wanted to do. And then, look at the time in the mid noughties when I was kind of developing and growing up, you know, Mick O'Dwyer was the leash football manager, and and leash football was like just incredibly, incredibly, you know, appealing, appealing to all underage footballers in the county, and you know, leash probably working as strong in the hurling, and yeah, they were competing in Leinster finals in the football and the teams I was playing with, you know, we were getting the Leinster finals and I was watching the minor teams ahead of me getting the Leinster finals and getting to all Ireland finals. So just, I, I gravitated more towards the football. Um, I'd say Hubie, regrets, you know. I'd say Hubie wasn't too impressed when you picked the football over the hurling. I probably wasn't, but look, Hubie was a GAA man. You know, he, he <laughs> yeah. I think if it was the football over the hurling, he wouldn't have minded too much. If it was the oval ball or the soccer ball or something, yeah. I'd say he would have an issue. But uh, oh, look, I think, yeah, and I'll always remember going back to Ross Gray in third year in 2003 and Leash Miners were in the final the following month. Um, and I walked in and, you know, he kind of groaned at you or whatever and he goes, well, are Leash going to win a minor All-Ireland next month, you know? So he was just very tuned into what was going on all around, you know, just in terms of GEA. Yeah. And uh, so, look, I was probably nodding my head going, oh, I hope so, I hope so, you know? Uh, um, I suppose then, John, like, um, the other question I wanted to ask you is that, like, yeah, you're a teacher there, are you? Like, did that, did that, did, like, did GEA uh, affect your career choice, obviously, with having the summers off and all that? And the other question I wanted to ask you is that, um, you obviously switched to St. Bridget's up in Dublin. Like, was that just for convenient wise and want to achieve something with St. Bridget's also? No, well, touching on your first point there, I'm a primary school teacher, yeah, in St. Bridget's Castle Knock. Um, and, you know, when I went, when I left Australia, I definitely had no intention of being a teacher, primary or secondary. 
Yeah. Um, you did egg science. I, I did. I did egg, and I didn't do too well in it. Now I, you know, I had a great first year in college, but academically I didn't do too well. It was a lot of science in it, and I struggled big time. I wasn't able for it, so I, I completed first year. I didn't get through it, but I completed it. And then the following September, I started in UCD in, um, I did arts, um, much more suited to me. And then I did a master's in sports management. So I was coming out of UCD in 2011. And this is kind of going into your second question about St. Bridget's. And I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I was after doing a master's in sports management. Um, I didn't really know. I was 22 at the time. And Jerry McEntee, um, who former Mead footballer, and he's heavily involved with St. Bridget's, he contacted me one day in January 2011. He said, how are you, John? Um, look, I'd just be wondering, we'd be wondering if you'd come and play with St. Bridget's. We're looking for a GPO, a games promotion officer for the club. Um, you know, but look, you'd have to play with St. Bridget's and, uh, you know, we'd look after you and all that. And, it was a big decision. It was a big decision because, you know, obviously it's the the mortal sin or the cardinal sin to leave your club, you know, yeah. and Mount Melick were, were very good to me. Um, you know, my friends and still my best friends, they're all from Mount Melick GA really and, and my cousins in Mount Melick and I was coming out of college. Um, I still was GA mad. I didn't really know what I wanted to do when I was being offered a job that was working in GA full time. I thought this is a good opportunity. This is a really good opportunity. And, you know, the more I thought about it and I spoke to people, I said, yeah, this, this, this is a big, big chance for me. And it kind of gives me a job straight away, a job that I think they would really like. Now it's a big decision leaving Mount Melick. Um, as I said, they were very, very good to me. I have cousins heavily involved in it and my best friends are heavily involved in it then and still now. But look, I, I followed my gut at the time and I... Um, you know, great time with St. Bridget's. We won the Dublin Senior Football Championship in 2011. Great group of lads, a really, really brilliant group of lads. And, you know, I, I worked as a game promotion officer for St. Bridget's until March 2017. And, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And that's what led me into the teaching. You know, I, I, um, I still, like, games promotion officer, it's, it's a lovely job for, you know, for a period of time. But... It's not something that I thought I was going to be in forever. So um, because I was working with children all the time and, you know, working school hours and kind of doing summer camps and all that, I said, you know, I, I think I'd like to do primary teaching. And I was quite friendly with a lot of primary teachers. So I decided to do that. Well, I decided I wanted to do it, but I didn't have my honours Irish. Right. Um, so... January 2015, I said, right, I'm going to do the leave insert in June this year. And if I get that, hopefully I'll be able to do, uh, you know, postgraduate course in primary teaching. So I, I knuckled down um, and I scraped it. I got a C3 and I needed a C3, but I was really delighted, absolutely really delighted. Like I, I, I worked hard for the, for the five or six months and got some great help from some great people. And then I started in Hibernia the following April, April 2016, and I did my two years there. And I'm just finishing my fourth year teaching now and uh, absolutely love it, never love it. That's great. No, definitely. Definitely helps when you're a teacher with the GA. You know? But um, the other, oh, absolutely. 
Yeah, oh, definitely. The, the the final few questions I want to ask you, John, is that uh, the 2015 international rules, because I saw you were selected for that, and I think you won that series. Um, give me your thoughts on that, like, and what was it like to be involved? And, you know, because I remember... I remember when we were in school, I, I, I think we used to be on around October, November, after the All-Ireland. I remember we went up to it in like 04, 05, and it was a great game to watch, like, you know, and then it took a dip for a few years. And I don't, I don't think it's going on anymore now at the moment, like, you know, but what was it like to be involved with it with, I suppose, the best footballers in the country and, like, you to be recognised? I suppose that's the beauty of it, that, like, you know, the likes of Declan Brown, great footballer for Tipperary, or, you know, they can't get on the big county, or that's not from the big football counties, that you get recognised in, in the international rules. Yeah, no more than yourself. I remember going up in 2002, a real wet day in Crow Park. Yeah. And, um, you know, seeing the Shinty was on before the... I think I was at that. international rules. I think, yeah, uh, because I remember... A bus from Ross Gray went up, and you yeah, remember the two was, Aussie fellas? I was no, I don't, but I think I was on that bus. All right, I remember jumping on. Yeah, off. well, they, there was two kind of interns who were housemasters from Australia, oh, and I remember, I remember they brought them. us up. I remember them? I remember them. Yeah, yeah, one big lad and kind of one small lad with the shaved head. Yeah, but they brought us up a real wet day, and you look, you're you're, you know, it's no more than when you're watching the Leash Miners in '96, '97. You're a few years older, and you're looking at the best players in Ireland. Um, and they're playing in Crow Park and from what I can remember that day it was a really packed stadium like it was really packed and I can't remember who won the match but then 2003 I remember you know there was three leash fellas on it Tom Kelly uh, Bino and Joe Higgins and you know just there in my county and they're playing this you know and then a couple of years after that one of my best friends Ross Munley was on it right. you know and just playing and getting the opportunity and I remember I probably got to a really good standard of inter-county football from 2012, 2013, 2014 on, I felt. And I was a bit disappointed at the end of 2014 that I hadn't been called for a trial because I I, I felt I deserved it, but I uh, I wasn't called. Um, but I remember 2015, I was called for a trial. And yeah, the trials were, they were intense enough, you know, because... Inter-county football matches, you know, it's a big build-up through it throughout the week, you know. And I remember those trials it went on for about 10 weeks on a Friday night. And, you know, you're, you're, you really have to be ready for it because you're competing at such an elite level with, you know, the top player country. And if you're not mentally ready for it, you're going to get left behind. And I remember there's a couple of nights where I wasn't absolutely at it in the trials and whew, you just pass you by. Then there's a couple of nights where... I was leaving and going, geez, I was I was good there. I was really good. And, you know, that went on for, for eight or ten weeks. And I remember there was about 45 lads there or thereabouts. And then the squad got picked. And, you know, I was really anxious in the couple of days before the squad was getting picked because he was thinking, oh, if I don't get this, and, you know, people heard I was there and you're not good enough. And when it's announced, they'll say, Jesus, I thought you were involved and all this kind of thing, the, the thoughts they go through your head. But, yeah, getting picked, it was... It was it was a great experience and then going into the camp in Carton House three nights before the, the series and the series was actually one off match normally it's two matches but it was only one match to just try and really promote it in Pro Park and the professionalism and it was incredible to be around the players now I remember the night of the match look I'll be honest I was a bit disappointed after the match I didn't play more you know I was on the pitch I was on the pitch a bit I was a bit disappointed but you know it just kind of 
motivated me motivated me to to become better and to try and make sure I was on the next squad and all that. Um, so look, it was a great experience. You know, you're mixing with some really great fellas, really great footballers. You're mixing with some legends of the game who are involved in the management team and the coaching team, and you're involved in an absolutely professional setup. Like, literally, the food was five star. You know, the the facilities, the gear, the preparation. There was no stone left unturned. And I remember Jack O'Shea presenting the medals, or sorry, the the jerseys the night before the match. You know, and, and Jack O'Shea probably. You know, one of the greatest footballers of all time. Who can say who's the best? But he's definitely in the conversation. And yeah, it was great. It was absolutely great. And you know, everything that I did with Leash or playing with Leinster or that match with Ireland, you know, it's all learning. It's all learning, and hopefully, it shaped the person I become and the person I want to become as I get older. If I go into management, the manager I want to become, or the coach I want to become, or just how to handle yourself with people and carry yourself and you know, that all helped me and it is continuing to help me. And even as a teacher now, how to, you know, deal with the staff and, you know, how to interact with the children and all that. It's it's all learning, Neville. It's all learning. Looking back at your career, would you look back at it with fondness, like, you know, and you think, like, do you think the GA could do more for players? Because, like, you know, like, to call it amateur now is an insult because it's it's, it's only amateur name now, like, you know, it's the, the standard has gone so high and... Um, Oh, the, other, the other question I want to ask you, John, is that like um, I presume you're going to stay on and play club football or are you going to go back and play club hurling also? Yeah, so the first question there, will I look back at my career of fondness? Ah, absolutely, Neville. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, to be honest, I've been a bit taken aback with the kind of reception I've got the last few days. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, I'm not going to say overwhelmed, but... You know, I've got such nice messages from such a wide range of people and I couldn't but look back on my careers with fondness. You know, I I played for Leash 167 times and, you know, when I was younger, all I wanted to do was play for Leash. You know, just play for Leash. And I got to do that for 15 years. Obviously, I'd like to have some more medals and things, but, you know, that's the way it's been working for lads for hundreds of years and ladies you know going back to the yeah. start of GEA and if, if you're in it for you know guaranteed success you're not going to be happy you know and um, so could the GEA do more possibly possibly you know what could they do maybe you know at the time GPA and the GEA were having a little bit of a quarrel over the expenses maybe the GEA could have uh, you know, been a little bit more generous there. Now, I don't know the full story, so I really don't want to have a, a strong opinion on it, but possibly they could do more. But, you know, as you said, we get a lot of things from being Gaelic footballers and inter-county footballers, you know, and there's a nice prestige, there's a nice honour with that, and it's an honour to wear your county and county jersey. And, you know, the GEA is such an incredible thing because of Zethos, you know, and I suppose... If it loses that ethos, will it stay such an incredible thing? I don't know. Like the GEA, it does a lot right. It absolutely does a lot right. And, you know, the, the amount of activity going on in all corners of Ireland today at club level, that is proof in the pudding that it is doing a lot right. But listen, we can always kind of look at ways we can improve things. So, no, I will look back on my career with fondness. And, um, yeah, look, again, just the the... the the messages and 
you know, the, the common sense, you know, the, the stuff that people have rang my father and said, you know, my father just, he kind of adores me, you know, and yeah. when people are ringing him saying those things, it just makes me proud that he's so proud, you know. No, I can see. I saw some of the messages, some of the, and like obviously a lot of lads around the country have a massive respect for you, and obviously talk to a tough competitor. But uh, but I I, I I I remember that from Australia anyway. But um, just oh, you're gonna you're gonna play you're gonna play um you got a club yeah yeah club yeah so um I play with Rose Nallis. I'm I'm from a little village called Rose Nallis, which is five miles outside Mount Melek, and. The end of 2019, I was transferring down home, and you know my plan was to move back to Rosenalis, um, and I wanted to play with them because my father kind of, you know, it meant a lot to him. You know, his father was chairman of Rosenalis in the 40s, and his father was tragically killed in the 50s, and it just, it, it meant a lot to him that I went back there, and I, I really could not have enjoy the last two years anymore than I have enjoyed, you know, playing in Rose Nellis. Um, so, uh, you know, I, as I said to you off air or offline, um, I played a club match last night. Absolutely loved it. Going down hurling training tomorrow yeah. night and we're playing a hurling match Sunday and the football championship starting in the middle of July and the hurling championship actually starting a week before the football. So, you know, I love game 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 for eight to ten to twelve weeks depending on how we do and I just can't wait I absolutely can't wait and I have that kind of uh, added freedom of not thinking I have to be performing this now because I'll be going back into the county and if I don't perform people will be saying Jesus you know he's not good enough to play county anymore or any of that kind of thing and all those thoughts going through your head you can just kind of play the match and relax and please God you win and after it, you know, you'll, you'll relax and um, you won't be thinking of, oh, did I impress the county selectors or was the county manager at the match or anything like that. It's just uh, playing with a bit of freedom and I can't wait for it. Would you be tempted to be pulled back in if it goes well for you at the club? No, no, ab- absolutely not. Now, you know, it's, no, I'm, I'm, I'm getting married at the end of the year, um, hoping to start building a house. And I'm kind of, it just seemed, there was a lot of things this year saying to me, now yeah. is the good time to step away and there's a lot of good young fellas in the East there and I can't wait to go and support them and, you know, just find somewhere quiet in the stand or wherever and just not listen to any criticism of any young lads or anything, you know. Um, not that there will be criticism, but... You're going to play the Hurling? Uh, with who? With your club as well, the Rose Oh, Nenner. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm going to play. We have a Hurling match on Sunday, so... Uh, I have to go down now tomorrow home. I have a few hurls. I hope they're still in good shape from last year. Um, so, no, I, I can't wait to play the two of them, Nev, and uh, please God, we'll, we'll have a good year. Oh, definitely. And uh, I suppose final few questions, John, again, uh, is that um, what do you think these are, I suppose, two tough questions for you? Um, what do you think of the game of football? Because we were talking there about Derry or Donegal versus Derry. And everyone said it was an absolute bore fest, like you know, like I it's like in some ways they're right, like you know, it's nearly gone, you know, it's nearly getting worse than soccer. And I'm a big fan of soccer as well, like, but like the the ball is going backwards and sideways too much, like you know, what do you think? What do you think it is? Do you think it's unfair criticism or do you think they should be doing something about it? Well, I don't think the thirty thousand dairy fans, yeah, you know. 
sorry, there wasn't 30,000 Derry fans at the match, but the 10, 15,000 Derry right. fans thought it was boring. And I think if Donegal won, their fans wouldn't have thought it was boring. Look, it was tense, but, you know, it's, it's like, look at Dublin and Kildare on Saturday. You know, Kildare went to play football. And Dublin played. Dublin were awesome. And that first half, Dublin were like, this, this is just a phenomenal sport. The ball is moving so quick. The man in the best position is getting the ball. One-touch football. And the same with Limerick and Kerry. Like, Kerry were absolutely awesome. Their kick passing, you know, their, their quick hands, their movement, their runners from the back, their striking of the ball, everything. So it, it was absolutely brilliant. And... Limerick could have said, right, we're going 15 men inside their own 45. Um, they're going to have to break us down. And then I, I'd imagine I'd be saying to you, that's absolutely boring. Limerick might have got out of there with five, six, seven point defeat. Who knows? Uh, but they didn't. Um, Kildare the same. Last year, Kildare, they came with the Crow Park and the big criticism after the match was they didn't have a go. They didn't have a go. They had a go this year. Fair play to them. They weren't good enough. So in Donegal and the Derry match and a lot of matches that are tight, they're tight because the team see that as the best way for them to win the match. You know, if they played open football, it could have been a shootout. Um, if you have going to a shootout at Donegal, you're going against probably Jamie Brennan, Paddy McBrearty, you know, Ryan McHugh and kick points. Uh, Michael Murphy, you know, Donegal probably have more score getters, natural score getters than Derry have, you know, but Derry said, this is our game plan and that's what got them to where it got them to. Um, Neville, how many soccer matches have we watched, you know, over the years that are bore fests? How many times we watched Man United, Man City, United Chelsea, United Liverpool and they're nil all because teams are playing cagey because they see as the best way for them to win the match. So uh, I think you go through all sports and because there's so much put into it now, you know, like winning is the be-all and end-all. And if a manager sees it as the best way for his team to get a result, then he's going to do that. And, you know, that's what Derry did this year. And look at what it's done for the people of Derry, you know, a sleeping giant of Gaelic football. You know, so... It's really, we'd love to see pure football. Like, you know, when we're watching football in the telly in the Premier League, we'd love to see total football, you know, samba football. But it doesn't work like that. You know, the, the teams have to play to their strengths. Yeah, but surely, John, like, the only problem I'd say there is that, like, is that surely they need to change the structure of the championship. Like, all right, maybe the Ulster Championship is still alive, but, like, surely it's the time now to restructure and have an open draw because, like, I know I get your point like that. Put ten men behind the ball, you have a good chance. But surely, if if it was an open draw and Mayo had to go down to Clarney, uh, Tyrone had to go to Donegal to play in an open draw, surely you'd get better standard of football in because you'd have both sides going at it, like you know. Ah, you would, but you didn't ask me that question. Well, that's what that was going to be my second one. Is that well, like, you think they need to change structure? structure? Absolutely, absolutely. I think. The big reason I think the structure needs to be changed is because in one in in the same competition, the prelim competition, 
one group has 11 teams and another group has six teams. You know, one group has nine teams and then last group has five teams with two additional teams from outside the country. So how can you have a fair competition if there's an unfair number of matches for some counties? And like going back since the qualifiers have come in, in some provinces, if you win a match and you lose a match, what round of the qualifiers do you end up in? You end up in round one. In another province, like Munster, if you win one match and lose one match, you end up in round four. Yeah. Now, how, how can you have equality when that is so unequal? And that has been my big issue with the GA. You're always going to get hidings in matches. You're always going to get a team winning well. But if you have the same opportunity and the same number of matches, like, you know, Cork in 2000 and 2019, they got to round four of the qualifiers by beating a Division four and a Division three team. They beat Limerick and then they beat Leash. They beat us in Thurles. And they got to play in round four of the qualifiers, which is one match away from the Super 8s, which is three guaranteed matches in the quarterfinal. Whereas another county in another province would play one match and they might win it. And then they'd play the quarterfinal and they could get beaten and they're in round one, as I said. Now, that was my big issue. And I think until the provincial championships are taken out of the All-Ireland series, we're always going to have that problem. So, like, I think the ladies football association do a lot of things very well. And I think they have their provincial championships and then they have their tiered structures for the All-Ireland series. And it looks to work very well. Now, I think the Talton Cup, absolutely it's a step in the right direction yeah and i think if you've seen the passion of some lads who are playing or the pictures and one that stands out to me is dara foley for carlo you know they beat tipperary the other day and i saw a picture of him at the end of the match celebrating and it was just it was like they were after winning the leinster championship yeah. and it was absolutely brilliant and i know how much leash put into the talent cup over the last six weeks look we were disappointed the way our championship ended against Wicklow, but we trained very very hard incredibly hard and we went hard for it and we came up short against a very good Westmead team who I think will win it or very go close to winning it so the Talton Cup is definitely a step in the right direction but until the provincial championships are addressed and as long as they're part of the All-Ireland series it's not going to go the way we want it to go and, and you look at Jack O'Connor the other day saying the four weeks for the next match you know they played Cork they three weeks the Limerick match and now they're four weeks no, it's it's, it's that's, Kerry, that's the same for all the provinces. Yeah, it's doing Kerry no favors either because like I think that's what caught him on the hop last year against Tyrone was that like they came through Munster without any test. But um, finally, then John, give me your prediction: who's going to win the the All Ireland in both hurling and football? Dublin and Limerick. Dublin and Limerick. That's simple, right? And and very very finally, uh, so tell us you're getting married. End of the year, and you're moving back down home to Leash, is it? Yeah, so getting married on the 10th of December. Um, got engaged nearly two years ago down in the New York County in Dugan, Barra, and Cork. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, looking forward to getting married to Anna from Knock Line here in Dublin, Ballyboden lady. And um, down beside my house where I grew up, my granny's old farmhouse where my father grew up, and obviously his family grew up. He'd, he'd 10 siblings. Um, 
sorry, ten including himself. So uh, there's a good good history to that house, um, and I've got planning permission to renovate it and extend it. And uh, yeah, it's really looking forward to it. Not a great time to be doing that kind of thing at the minute because of costs and things. But look, it is what it is, and and looking can't wait to get started. At it. I won't be doing much now. I wouldn't be too handy with it, but. You've got one sister, do you? I think so. Uh, I have three sisters. three sisters. I have a twin sister and I have two older sisters then, yeah. yeah. Hopefully they enjoy listening back to this. Uh, very ah, finally, please, God. Yeah, very finally, John, I do this with all my guests. Um, uh, questions in 60 seconds where you have to give me what comes into your head first. Yeah, so. Um, first question, favourite food? Steak. Favourite golf course? Gary Hinsport, Arlington. How often do you do your dirty laundry? I'd say every two or three days. Uh, win the World Cup or win the Masters? Win the World Cup. Uh, craziest thing you've ever done? I'm a boring person now. <laughs> uh, leg day or chest day? Or chest day. Best book. One today. Best book you've ever read? Tiger Woods biography by the two New York Times journalists. Right. Favorite chocolate bear? Oh, lint. Anything lint. Oh, yeah. uh, biggest fear? Um, biggest fear letting people down. Right. And uh, favorite film? Michael Collins, even though it's not factually correct, it's still a classic. Right. And finally, Westlife or Boyzone? You know, I liked it too. I, I used to, <laughs> probably Westlife, but I, I, they're, both, they're both two of the best boy men's ever. <laughs> John, thanks a million for that, Dad. Uh, great, great to talk to you. You know, we had some great days in Australia and uh, it's, we were just saying before we went live, you know, it's, it's probably 16 years since we spoke to each other, but, you know, there's a special bond that you have from living with lads for five years at such a young age. And you could meet a lad, I might meet you again for your 16 years, but you could just have a chat with you for an hour, you know? No, definitely. Cheers, John. Best wishes, Nev. And thanks for listening. And thanks again to former Leash footballer, John O'Loughlin. John was a serious all-round sports guy, um, very good hurler and obviously as we know great footballer and it's an awful shame in one way that there's not a transfer market in GA because he would have walked onto a lot of good inter-county teams but a great great GA player and um, yeah it was great to catch up with some old memories there uh, I suppose you have that bond when you go to boarding school a guy from Cork and a guy from Leash but great to see um, remember I'm here in McGettigan's in Dubai for the summer so make sure come and find me for any of the weekend's matches, I'll be in the pub watching all the big matches on the big screen. If you have any opinions, please come and find me and share them. I'll put you up on any of the accounts. Um, until next time, where I'll, so- where I'll have someone else from the world of sport on. Remember, you can get this podcast on Spotify and wherever else you get your podcast. I'm Neville O'Donoghue. Thanks for listening, and I'm out of here.